Amen. Well, good morning, church. I want to invite you to open your Bible with me this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 4. And the story that we're looking at, it begins in Acts, chapter 3, verse 1. It goes all the way through chapter 3, all the way up into chapter 4. And um, we've all heard parts of this preached probably many times. I'm going to pick out just out of verse 7 in chapter 4 and read part of this story. And we're going to dig around in here this morning. But I don't know about y'all, the name of Jesus, no other name like that name, amen? How many of you believe what we just sang? It says, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Without Jesus, there is no spiritual life, there's no life of God. But in Christ, when we are connected to him like a branch to the vine, he is that vine that through his life, we have life when we are connected to him. And we bear fruit for God's glory. As you look here with me this morning, Paul, I mean Peter and John, have performed a miracle over in chapter 3. They have took a man who was born from his mother's womb, crippled. He, his legs apparently had been something wrong with them. And for all his life, he had been on a pallet. He had been brought to the temple at the church door and sat down, and he would beg. And one day when they were coming to worship, they seen him, and he seen them, and Peter got his attention, and he asked for alms, he asked for help, he asked for money, and expecting to get something from them, Peter said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. In their day, they didn't have everything we have. They didn't have buildings and nice facilities. They didn't have praise team bands. and They didn't have big checking accounts. All they had was the name of Jesus and what Jesus stood for and what he did. And they turned the world upside down. Here we are, we've got everything. And we trust in many things. And the greatest asset, the best thing you have in your spiritual arsenal and your ability to bless yourself and your family and this world is to speak Jesus, my friend. But we trust in everything else, it seems, sometimes. And I remember when I first was in the ministry, and there was a man who was leading worship for us, and he came to lead worship. It was my second church. I just got there. His name was Harold Hollinsworth. And he said, I tell you what I'm going to do, preacher. I'm going to sing about Jesus, and if you preach about Jesus, we're going to be all right. And you know, I told Jonathan that when he came. I told everybody, you sing about Jesus, I'm going to preach about Jesus, and Jesus will take care of everything. Because it don't matter how good the band is, it don't matter how awesome the preacher may be able to speak, if we are not lifting up Jesus and bringing glory to his name, nothing's going to happen. And that's what they were doing here. And I want you to read this with me. As they have now been arrested, for preaching Jesus by the high priest, the Sanhedrin council, the same men who had falsely accused and arrested Jesus and had him crucified, now they stand before them. And if you look with me right here in verse 7, the high priest and the religious rulers and the elders, the scribes said in verse 7, and when they had set them, being Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, by what power... Or what by name have you done this? When's the last time a church you've been a part of did something 
that people said, by what power, by what name did you do something like this? It was so extraordinary that people had to know. And look at what he says right here. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if with this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be made known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you hold. And he, that's what he's saying in verse 11, he, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has now become the chief cornerstone, the chief foundation. And then he says the verse that I want to focus on today, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name like the name of Jesus, my friend. That's why the name of Jesus is not very tolerated amongst the world and the nations who are outside of God's salvation. Have you noticed yet if you witness, if you go around the community ministry and you can bring them food, you can go and pray for them, you can tell them about church, And you can talk about all kind of things God does, but when you start talking about Jesus, there's a change in the situation. People bristle. People stand against Jesus. You know why? The devil knows that you can go talk about church. You can go tell them about the preacher. You can go tell them about the music. You can go tell them about children's ministry. You can tell them about all the things going on, but until you branch in and talk and explain and preach the gospel in the name of Jesus, no one gets saved. That's why the devil does everything he can to keep Baptists from saying and proclaiming and speaking the name of Jesus. And with all of our advantages, with all of the things God has blessed us with, we are far too quiet about speaking boldly as these people did, without a shame, without fear, the name of Jesus. Jesus, my friend, in that name is all power. Not some power, not most power. He said at the end of his time here, right before he ascended, when he gave his command to the church, what we look at as the Great Commission, he started off, he said, all authority, and the King James says, all power has been given to me under heaven and earth. It belongs to him. There's nobody with higher authority, more power than Jesus. And we have authority in that name and power in that name to go and make disciples of all the earth. But how many are we doing that today? And as you look right here, they were doing that. And look at what happens right above that. It says in chapter 4 and verse 1, Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. What had happened was they showed up, that man was crippled, he'd been sitting on that pallet, They came to worship Jesus on the the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock, and they did just what we said. They said, we don't have any alms for you. We don't have money to give you. But what we do give you in the name of Jesus is this. Stand up, get off your pallet, and go home. And that man stood up, who they'd been watching his whole life. It tells you in the text, if you go read both chapters, that he was 40 years old. Can you imagine if someone who'd been in this church your whole life rode him in in a wheelchair, and one day, in the name of Jesus, he was told to get up, and he pushed his wheelchair over in the corner, left it there, and went home. He'd have, you'd have his attention. Can I get an amen? 
And friends, listen, Jesus did that when he was here. That's true. That's happened. And everyone began to come, and they were all excited. So what did they do? They preached and proclaimed the name of Jesus. They said, Jesus of Nazareth had done this, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and he's your Messiah. He's your Savior. And in his name is salvation. So they preached. And as they were preaching, these men show up. And they're sharing the gospel. They're preaching. They're not sharing what they have to offer them in children's ministry. They're not sharing about what kind of music we sing. They're not sharing about how well our preacher is educated and what degree he has and how well he can preach and how much everybody likes him. All they had to say, my friend, is let me tell you about Jesus. And they are preaching Jesus. The thing that we have that could do the most is the thing we trust in, it seems to me, the least. The thing that has the most power and the most ability to change a life, to bless a home, to fix a broken family, is Jesus. And that's the last thing many of us ever want to speak to our loved ones who are hell-bound in all types of situations where their life is in chaos because they belong to the devil. And the devil's playing them like a puppet. There's only one who has authority to set them free from the devil. And his name ain't Baptist Church. It's Jesus Christ. And friends, when we speak the name of Jesus, there's power in that. When's the last time you just flat out told them, what you need is a good dose of Jesus? Yeah, we want you to come to church. Yeah, you need to quit doing all the foolish things you do. Yes, you need to learn from your mistakes. But you can change, you can go to counseling, and you can read every book they out there to give you wisdom from this world, and you will never, ever change into the person God created you to be till you meet Jesus. Till you come in contact and have an encounter with the Holy Son of God and you believe in His name and who He is and what He stands for and what He can do and what He came to do for you is to save you, my friend. And until you get saved, nothing happens. Nothing changes. You can go to church from the day you was born. You can get baptized so many times that they got you on the roll five times in your Baptist church because they done mixed up the records. But that won't get you into heaven till you meet Jesus, till you get washed in His blood, till you get filled with His Spirit, until you're in a personal relationship with Him to where the name of Jesus is the most important thing in your life. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm going down the road and something happens, first thing happens that comes out of my mouth is Jesus. Amen? It ain't Diane. It ain't old mama. Jesus. Man, I fell one time out of a tree before I even got halfway down the tree. I was in an old stand hunting on Sunday. I said, oh, Jesus, that thing stopped. I was all scratched up before I ever tried to get out of that tree. I said, Jesus, I won't ever hunt on Sunday again. I don't know about y'all. I believe in the power of Jesus. I believe Jesus is involved in our lives. And Jesus can do things that only Jesus can do. And friends, I want you to look at this with me. As we begin to look at here, they're preaching, they're speaking in the name of Jesus. You know why most of you don't want to speak and preach in the name of Jesus? Because anytime there is people who in boldness and true genuine faith who believe in the power of Jesus enough to proclaim Him and teach Him and tell people about Him, opposition comes. You know what? A life that has no type of opposition, there's nothing that you ever come in contact with in your life that is trying to oppose you, that is persecuting you. I doubt you're living a life that honors Jesus. 
Because Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, everyone, everyone who lives a life that honors Jesus will be persecuted. And friends, as you look right here, these people are preaching Jesus and look at what happens. They did a miracle. They held a man who was crippled from the day he was born and they told people about Jesus and his, what he's done. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, this is verse 1 of chapter 4, came to them and being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them, and they put them in jail. That's why I was talking about jail. You know what? We are more ashamed of jail than not sharing the gospel. And these people went to jail, but they went for the right reason. I want you to look at what happens here. They went to jail for sharing the gospel, but 5,000 people got let out of hell because they were willing to go to jail to share Jesus. How many of you are willing to let your family say bad things about you, to let your neighbor make fun of you because you speak unashamedly in the power of Jesus, your Savior. And friends, listen to what he says right there. However, here they are, they're going to jail. They get a free night in jail because they're preaching Jesus. However, many of those heard the word and believed, and the number of them came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and the elders and the scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Where did we read those names before? Could it be the night that Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and dragged, taken into custody? That's the exact same people that falsely accused Jesus, brought him before Pilate, and had him arrested and crucified. Friends, I'm going to tell you what you would be doing, but I bet most Baptists, if they was with the preacher, if they was with Peter, and they got put in jail, they'd be saying, now, Peter, remember what happened to Jesus? <laughs> this is the same people. This is the same thing. I bet John that night and Peter was praying. But friends, listen, they didn't back down. They didn't stop. They spoke up. They spoke out. And Jesus is exactly what they said. Look at what it says. Here they are in jail all night. They had all night to think about it. And it says in verse 7, And when they set them in their midst, these men, the same men who had Jesus railroaded to the cross, these same men, when they were set before them and they were asked, By what power or what name are you doing this? See, they thought they got rid of Jesus. But they didn't get rid of Jesus because you can't get rid of Jesus. If you could get rid of Jesus, he'd be gone by now. It's been 2,000 plus years. And have you figured out the world can't get rid of him? Because he ain't going nowhere. Because there's no other like him. They can't get rid of him. Because he's the king of kings, the lord of lords. And listen, as they begin to speak, when you are willing, my friend, to be a witness, you know why most of us never experience the anointing and the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not given to you to speak in tongues. It's not given to you to have a spiritual experience that makes you feel spiritual. It's given to you so that you can be a witness and have boldness and a sound mind and overcome a spirit of fear so that you can proclaim in love the message of Jesus. We are all given the Holy Spirit so that we can be His witnesses here in Bethany throughout the Caddo Parish, throughout Louisiana, and the whole world. That's why He anoints. That's why He blesses and makes His Spirit come to life in our life. And friends, listen, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we, if we this day are judged for the good deed done to this helpless man, by what means we've made him well, let it remain to, known to you all, every one of you. I love this, man. Let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. And then he says, and Jesus is the stone, the foundation that you builders have rejected. And there's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. Jesus is not a way, he's the way. Friends, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, the whole Bible is written for Jesus. There's people in the Old Testament that we look at, thank God for Moses. I love Moses. But friends, Moses, as important as he is in the people of God, in the testimony of God's whole counsel of his word, Moses said this. They, he said, if you believed in me, you would believe in me also, for he spoke of me. That's what Jesus told these same men. If you were of Moses, you would believe in me because he spoke of me. Friends, everybody in this Bible is being used by God to do one thing. You know what it is? To reveal, lift up, and proclaim the Messiah, his son, the Lord Jesus. When Jesus came, he got a special name. He got a name. Jesus would not be a worldwide known name if it was just like it used to be. Did you know there's other Jesuses in the Bible, if you read? Jesus was a halfway common name. You know why? When you read and study the word Jesus, the name Jesus is the proper name that derives from the Hebrew name Joshua. And if you was to say it in Hebrew, it would be Yeshua. But in our voice, in our language, it's Jesus. You know what that means in the original language? It means Yahweh saves. Salvation is from Yahweh. You know why they gave him that name? Because he came to save us. When he was fixing to be born, and he came in that spectacular way, in that virgin birth through that little girl, his earthly father, Joseph, was told by the angel in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Not Joseph, not your grandfather's name, Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Friends, listen to this. When Mary was being prepared and given the faith to do and carry out the will of God, the angel came to her and said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He was giving that name on purpose by God. And it says, And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Friend, that's the name of Jesus. Lots of kings have come, and lots of kings have gone. But this King Jesus will stand one day to never, ever leave again, and he's coming soon. I've been talking about that a little bit. And I don't know about y'all, are you saved today? Because the Bible says there's no other name given under heaven by which you can be saved. You can't be saved by being good. You can't be saved by trying harder. And you can't be saved by any religion. Buddha can't save you. Joseph Smith in his religion 
in the Latter-day Saints, Mormonism can't save you. Friends, listen, you can't just say the name of Jesus either and it's like a magic name that just fixes you. Friends, you've got to believe in the name. You've got to understand who the name is talking about. You see, there were some boys in the book of Acts, some seven sons of a Jewish priest, and they heard about Paul exercising the demons in the name of Jesus. So they went up there and they tried to exercise a demon And they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we demand you to leave. And that demon said, we heard of Paul and we sure know Jesus, but who are you? (laughs) And the Bible says that they beat them, stripped them naked, and ran them out of the house. Friends, that's what happened when you just knew the name, but you didn't know the person. Jesus himself said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom. And at the end of that passage, he says, for many are people who are going to do mighty things in my name. He said, they're going to preach in my name. They're going to cast out demons in my name. They're going to do wondrous works in my name. But when they stand before me, I'm going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. And if you ever meet Jesus, the name doesn't have to be described. It doesn't have to be explained. Just to hear it. It's like them old songs we used to sing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Y'all remember that good old song? Like the fragrance after the rain. It says, kings and kingdoms will all fade away. Man, that's some good singing. And man, we sang about Jesus today. You can never sing about, that ain't good singing, but that's a good song. Y'all know what I meant. If I could sing good as Jonathan, my sermons would be twice as long. Amen? (laughs) They say, thank God he can't sing. Don't bless him, Lord. But I want you to just listen to what the Bible says about this Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, if the Apostle Paul's saying, I'm chief of the sinners, where's that place you? But I want you to know something. No matter how bad of a sinner you are, you ain't so bad that this Jesus can't and won't save you. That's why he came into the world. And we all know the verse that we all remember. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if we believe in him, we shall not perish but have everlasting life. But the verse under that, John 3, 17 says, For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He wants to save you today more than you want to be saved. And you know you're lost. You know you ain't ready to meet Jesus. You know you're not ready to leave this world and enter into eternity in the spiritual condition and shape you're in. And friends, you've been thinking about it maybe. You've been trying even to fix it, but it ain't got no better, has it? Because the only one who can fix it, the only one who can make it better is Jesus himself. And the good thing about Jesus, you come just as you are. You don't have to fix it to come to him. You come to him with all your sin, with all your warts, with all your blemishes, because he is the one who washes you white as snow. And friends, listen, the Bible goes on in in 1 Timothy. It says, for there is one God, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator that can connect you to God. It ain't Billy Graham. 
It's Jesus. It ain't the Pope. It ain't a religious system called Catholicism. The church is here to proclaim him, to worship him, and to serve him. We're here to tell you, but we're not able to do what he does. He saves. The church doesn't. And friends, listen what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, that's to redeem those of us, to save us who were under the law, that we might be adopted as sons. Friends, Jesus, nor is there any salvation in any other name. If you hold your place right here, flip back with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, I want to show you something. When Jesus was here, Jesus did his miracles. He did what he did to prove he could forgive sins. How many of you here need forgiven? Man, I, don't, I need forgiven. So I used to worry about Jesus. When I first got saved, I thought, well, I won't have to do this all the time anymore. But it don't take you long to realize you still mess up. And you'd say, oh, Lord, forgive me. And, man, you was changed and you was new and everything in Christ was becoming new and old things were passing away, but you realize that, man, I'm still messing up. You know, I used to think, this is the last time, Jesus, I'm going to ask you, will you forgive me? I didn't quit that a long time ago. <laughs> I just say, Lord Jesus, please, I'm, I know I shouldn't have done it. Forgive me, forgive me. You know what I found so far? I've been saved 24, coming up on 25 years. I haven't found one place where when I truly feel bad about it, I have a genuine brokenness, a heart of contrition, what the Bible says is a spirit of repentance, and you turn to God and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? How many of you have ever said no? He'll forgive you. If he's forgiven all these people, I know him. He'll forgive you. <laughs> he's forgiven me. And friends, listen, Jesus was called to this house one day that he was preaching, and there was such a crowd that they couldn't get a friend in the door. Y'all all know him. He was four men. They brought him on a pallet. And when they get there, they can't get through the door, so they were serious. They knew, we got to get him to Jesus. That's what we need to get a hold of. That's another sermon. But they get him to Jesus. They open a hole in the roof. They lower him down. And when Jesus looks at this man on a pallet, he didn't say, get up, you're healed. He said, because of your faith in him, your sins are forgiven. And listen to this, Jesus, what he says. This is in Mark chapter 2. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith. What was their faith? They believed in Jesus so much, they carried their friend to church. When they got to church, there wasn't any more seats. So what did they do? They tore a hole in the roof and lowered him down right in front where Jesus could see him. And Jesus said, man, because of their faith, I'm going to forgive him of his sins. I want you to see what happens, though. And some of the scribes, verse 6, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone, and that's the truth. No one can forgive sin but God alone. So what did Jesus do? It says in verse 8, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned this, he could feel reason their thoughts, he understood what they were thinking, he says to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to you, to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed? But listen to what Jesus did, verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, get your bed, step up, 
and go home. I don't know about y'all, but that right there is the power of Jesus. And Jesus did miracles beyond and above that so that someone like you today could read the Gospels, hear the message, look at the life of Jesus. No other life has ever done what Jesus did. Not only did he heal the lame, he caused people born blind to see. He told the deaf to hear. The Bible says that he took people who had leprosy and he cleansed them. Jesus did miracles like no one else has ever done, nor ever will, all because he wanted us to know that he was who he said he was. The greatest miracle of all is that he raised the dead. He raised Lazarus. He raised a widow's, the widow named son at a funeral. Jesus could mess up a good funeral, amen? He raised the dead. But friends, listen, the greatest thing of all that God wants you to know today is that he did all of this because the greatest thing is that he allowed Jesus by his predetermined plan, he foreordained it before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ, his son, would come to earth, be born, live amongst us, would die, not only die, but die on a cross. He would be crucified by sinful men, put in a grave, and God would raise him from the dead. Friends, that's the greatest proof. That's the message of the gospel. That's why that's what you preach everywhere you preach the gospel. Turn with me back now to the book of Acts, and we're going to get back here and close. Let me show you what these men preached and what they believed about Jesus. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. At the day of Pentecost, when God birthed the church, and the church began to be the presence of God and his work on earth, the Holy Spirit came, and it caused such a ruckus that men were saying they're drunk. What is this? Peter begins to explain it through the prophet's teaching in verses 17 through 21. And then when he gets to chapter verse 22, look at what he says. Here it is again. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested. What that's saying in one translation is a man who was pointed out. He was publicly endorsed by God. How? Through miracles. Look at what it says right there in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him. In your midst, as you yourselves also know. They knew what Jesus had done. They knew the miracles that God had done through him. And listen to what he says. This is unbelievable. Him, Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose of God. It was the purpose, the determined purpose of God was that God's son would come to earth and he would be crucified, my friend. Look at what he says right there. Not only did he purposefully determine to do it, but it says, and the foreknowledge of God. Peter says it this way, that he was foreordained before the foundation of the world to be the lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Before he ever built the foundation of the world, God had already predetermined, foreordained. His determined purpose was that Jesus Christ would be born. He would live a sinless life. He would come to earth and show us God. The Bible says the Word became flesh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No one's ever lived a life like Jesus. No one ever will, because He's the only one who was God completely, yet He was one of us. And friends, He lived that life, and He exemplified the glory of God working through Him. 
And you know what we did for his goodness and his merciful and his unbelievable? He blessed people. He healed the sick. He fed the poor. We crucified him. And you know what the amazing thing was? The free will of man done it on his own. God let us choose and we did what we wanted to do and by man's free will to crucify Jesus, you did God's will, his predetermined plan. Look at what it says right here. This is the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Verse 23, Jesus being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. And look at what he says in verse 24. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he would be held by it. Look at what he says when you get down here to verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, which we are all witnesses. By now, it's been probably a couple months that Jesus has been crucified. They've all heard about the resurrection He's ascended. He's going back to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit through Pentecost. And now Peter's preaching the first gospel message. And he's preaching and 3,000 people get saved there. And all he basically told them was, the man that you crucified was your Messiah. He was God in the flesh. God sent him his predetermined plan that was by your lawless hands. He would be crucified, but he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead. Listen what happens when they heard this. When you get down to verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What does that mean? He's Lord, he's God, he's King of kings, and he's also Christ, he's Messiah, he's the Savior, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And listen what happens to them. It says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Friends, until you get cut to the heart and realize that your sin put Jesus on the cross, that your sin can only be forgiven by this. This is what God has ordained. This is what God has said. Look at what it says right here. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And that's a good question we're fixing to close. So hearing all this this morning, if you're not saved, if you've never personally called on the name of Jesus and put your trust and hope in him, what do you do? You do just what the Bible says. Right here, Peter told them. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. And we know that 3,000 people did it that day and believed in Jesus. Friends, a couple days later, they did what we were looking at in the beginning. 5,000 people got saved. In both of those instances, you know how they got saved? They heard that Jesus died for their sins on the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And that he will save you. He is the Messiah. You know, it's not as complicated as we make it. If more of us would tell the gospel and quit talking about all about church, more of us would just talk about Jesus and quit talking about everything else we talk about, a lot more people would get saved. Because I'm telling you, it's just that simple and that easy for someone to be saved. You say, well, why do we have to give our life to Jesus? Because Jesus humbled himself and fulfilled the perfect, 
plan, the will of God for salvation for all of the world. I want you to think about this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was in heaven with the Father in perfect communion in the place we all hope to be one day. The Father foreordained before the foundation of the world this plan to send Jesus as a spotless lamb to be crucified on Calvary's cross. And he said, I would even use the people who need to be saved to do it. Sinful man crucified him. Man, there's no way all this could happen without a sovereign God working out. Not only did he make it happen exactly the way he's planned it throughout all of the Bible, as you look at the sacrificial system being laid out through the Old Testament, the blood, but he made it happen on the exact day, the Passover. Do you think all that's an accident? Do you think man just accidentally accomplished all this that the Bible is telling? I ain't got time all today, but listen, Jesus died at the Passover. When Jesus died, the old temple, the old covenant system ended. No more sacrifice, no more animals. You know what happened? Access now to God is through Jesus. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, y'all know what happened at the temple. The veil of the temple that stood at the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was at, where the high priest went in once a year with the blood of an animal and spread that blood on the Holy of Holies and on the Ark of the Covenant so they could be forgiven for another year. It ripped from the top to the bottom and it was opened up. You know why? Access now is through Jesus. That's how powerful, that's how important the name of Jesus is. The Bible speaks that in Christ, you know why it's only in Jesus? Because there's no other name. He read the verse a while ago. Do you know what God the Father done to God the Son? Because he humbled himself and obeyed. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those, I want you to listen to this, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. My friends, did you ever catch that? I didn't catch that to this week. Every knee is going to bow. That means those who are in heaven, those who are on the earth and those who are under the earth. There's only two places that could be. Those that are dead outside of Jesus or under the earth. I don't know about you, but I don't know where we get it for sure, but I've always been taught that heaven is up here and hell is down there. Amen. Even people in hell one day, my friend, will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ because God's given him the name worthy of that great honor. And it says not only will they bow the knee, but every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, King of kings, to the glory of God the Father. But today, my friend, you can bow to knee. Today you can speak his name and make him Lord and be saved. You say, how do you do that? What do we do? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that everyone, Romans chapter 10 verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now you could look at that and say, well, that just means trusting in Jesus. But it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But right above that, it says that if you believe that Jesus died 
and rose again, that makes you righteous. And if you confess with your mouth, that leads to salvation. It says, for with the heart you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Friends, listen. It's a thing that you say with your mouth. Friends, if you believe in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. If it's really happened that you believe Jesus is who he is, you're going to call on the name of Jesus. You're going to be not ashamed of his name. You're going to proclaim his name. And this is what Jesus said. If you confess my name before men, I will confess you before my father. But if you deny my name before men, so will I deny you before my father. Friends, it's this easy. Today, by God's grace and mercy, you have an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus to be saved. It's not me. It's not a church. It's not a religious system that saves you. It's a person. It's Jesus himself. He will save you, but you're not going to be saved by any other means. That's why the name of Jesus is so amazingly important. In it is power, and it is health and healing, and it alone is life. This morning, I'm going to ask you a simple question, and they're going to come sing. Do you know that you know that you're saved, that you trusted and put your hope in Christ, and there's a day and a time when you called on the name of Jesus? You know, I think back, and I remember the first time. I didn't even understand what that meant or what it was. I just wanted him to get me out of the trouble I was in. But I remember when he got to me to the place to where at my house, I've told you all before, I wasn't at church. I was in a living room. I was going to church. I was trying to make deals. I was trying to fix Marvin myself. I was trying to be religious. And finally, I just went home one day during the week of January in the year of 06. And I just fell down on the couch cushion. And I called out loud, my friend. I cried out to Jesus. And I want to tell you something. I got up, and I've never been the same. I'm not perfect. I know some of you can tell me the same thing. You may have walked an aisle, and Jesus has never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's been with you ever since. There's not a person here. How many of you here that has put your hope and trust in Jesus, but you are worried about changing it because COVID showed up? I don't know about y'all, but I've been around a lot of people that they die. And every person that I've ever met, that had their hope in Jesus, I've never seen a one change their mind. There's nobody like Jesus. Only Jesus can forgive us of our sins and save us. This morning, this is your hour. This is your time. You're amongst people who's already done it. If you're not going to do it in the midst of brothers and sisters who love you, who are here for you to be saved, when will you do it? How will you do it? Today, Jesus loves you. He's saying, if you'll come to me, I'll save you. He's calling you if you know and feel that in your heart. And I'm asking you to give your heart to Jesus. Call on his name and he will save you. We're going to sing now. I'm going to pray. And as soon as they start singing, I want to invite you, if you need to, to come to be saved and call upon Jesus' name. Father, I want to thank you that when you show us the gospel and you teach us and show what you did for us through Christ, how he died on the cross for our sins, how he was buried and on the third day he rose again and now he lives and he sits at the right hand of the Father to mediate, to help us that we might be saved. Lord, I pray today for that person who is a good person possibly, who's religious, but who's never ever truly had a time when they called on Jesus and put all their hope and trust in him to save them. I pray right now if there's someone here that this would be their day, their moment. For those of us who have called on Jesus, 
who may have went astray. And today we've been woken. We've been awakened to the truth again. And we have a fresh realization of how awesome and great the name of Jesus is. Lord, give us a burden again, a passion to share it, to proclaim it, to speak it out over our loved ones and communities. Lord, today I just believe there's someone going to be saved. And I just thank you that, Lord, if they're only willing to come, you will do that. So help someone today. In Jesus' name, amen.